All right. Whoa. Can you hear me now? Okay, we had to do we had to do another mic check. So it's not a terrible echo. Are we good? Okay. Um, you guys are all supposed to be on vacation. But I'm glad you're here. Um, yeah, I know. Kevin's on vacation today. Uh, my name is uh, Matt Love, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I get the privilege of speaking to you today. Uh, my whole goal is to not make any blasphemous statements, uh, not to contradict the Bible, and just uh, direct everything back to Jesus. And if I accomplish that, then I'll be happy, um, and hopefully you'll all be blessed by that. Um, <clears throat> the passage that we're going to be reading from is uh, Luke 2, 39 through 52, so if you have a chance, you can go ahead and get back there. If, um, if you have a Bible, go ahead and open up to that spot. If you don't, there are some in the back, and they will be passed out to you. Um, but just a recap of what we've gone over the last couple weeks. Uh, two weeks ago, Kevin talked about um, a, a man named Simeon who was in uh, the, uh, the temple waiting, and he'd been waiting for a long time, a promise uh, by God that he would be able to see the Messiah. And he had a chance to meet Jesus as, a, as an infant, and that uh, was a culmination of his long, extensive prayer and uh, desire to see the Messiah. He was blessed with that. And then he was all, that was one of the pronouncements. And then there was another one last week was Anna. Anna was a prophetess that was in the temple. And she, again, was uh, fasting and, and waiting and praying and, and uh, desire to see the Messiah. And she had that opportunity as well. And we went through their lives and uh, the commitment to God and obedience to God. And then also they were able to announce to uh, those that they knew that the Messiah was here. Uh, that Christ had been born, that Jesus was alive. Um, so we're going to pick up there, and we're going in from uh, starting at uh, verse 39. And let's go ahead and read that. This is, this is scary. I just want to let you guys know that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not nervous about reading. I'm just terrified right now. Though. <laughs> so thank you for laughing every once in a while. It, but only laugh when I say something funny. Don't laugh when I mess up, please. <clears throat> All right, so... And when they had performed this, now what had of Jesus, uh, Mary and Joseph had taken Jesus to be presented at the temple. And that's when they ran into uh, Simeon and, and they ran into Anna. At, uh, there was one of the traditions that they had to bring uh, the baby in. Uh, there was a thing called about a circumcision. And we don't need to talk about that right now. But they had finished that up and that they had finished seeing Anna. And when they had uh, performed everything according to the law of the Lord, which was all the uh, rituals that were of that time, they returned into Galilee to their own town in, of Nazareth. And the child grew, Jesus grew, and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Verse 41. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, Jesus was 12, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. That wasn't supposed to happen. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But when they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they had found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to, to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished as well. I add that as well. 
And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, and I'm going to try to do this without any facial expressions, just straight answer. Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Let's go ahead and open up this prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord. Um, we thank you for um, just the information that you provide us through your word, through, uh, through the history of, uh, that Luke provided, that Luke uh, uh, sought after and collected. Um, we thank you, Lord, for this information that we may be able to glean something from it. Uh, we ask, Lord, that through this, uh, this time that we will be able to be touched and uh, we will hear from you and we will know uh, your desires for our lives. Amen. <clears throat> okay, now, from infancy, or from when they finished up the, uh, the rituals that they had to do at the temple when he was a little baby, all the way till 12, there's really not a lot of information that's given. Now, I know I, you probably have a lot of answers, because I know in the last 12 years, because my son's 12, there's been a lot of things that have happened. Uh, he's gone through some, some trials, some successes, but there's not a lot of, inf there's no information given during this time. And then, I've always wanted to know, um, and I'm sure other people do, but there's not a lot of information given from that time, and even from 12 to when he starts his ministry, there's not a lot of information. We know that he was a, probably a carpenter because that was his father's trade. Uh, we know that he lived in this, uh, the town of Nazareth. We know that he probably went up yearly to uh, the Passover, but the, the, the things that he liked to do, his favorite hobbies, um, who were his best friends, we don't know any of these things. Um, they would be great to be known, but... The, the scripture doesn't give us that stuff. And, and we should also know that the silence of the scriptures or the information that's not given to us, well, if they were important or there was more information that needed to be given, more would have been given. So we can have confidence that the information that we have from, from uh, his MC and then at the 12-year-old uh, where we go take this passage, this is going to give us an idea of what we need to know. Um, and I'll, I'll expand on a little bit. But one thing we can know is that Jesus grew up just like we did, or and like some of us are growing up right now. So he's gone through those pains. He's gone through those struggles. He's probably gone like my son has gone through, uh, growing through shoes. So his mom probably got him some sandals, and then she goes, I just got you those sandals three weeks ago. And he goes, oh, my toe's hanging off the end, you know. My son's gone from a size 8 in March to a size 10 and a half, and then and I mean, sure, he probably, she probably gave him a, a, a cloak to wear, and then now pretty soon it's up above his knees, and it looks like a miniskirt. So he's probably growing fairly fast. He's probably going through the, uh, the joint pains in the knees. I know my son's going, my knee just needs to be popped. So he's experienced those things. He's probably fallen down. He's probably skinned his knees, going through all the, the maturation that we do. So we do have somebody in heaven uh, who understands and looks out for us in that regard through our growth. Um, and we have that mediator for us. So he understands what we've gone through. Um, but there are some things that from this short little passage that we can glean things from. So three of the things that I want to talk about are how we, um, how, what we can pull from this from um, a married couple, from a young individual, and then also for Christians in general. But the first thing is the lesson for married people. Mary and Joseph, and this, I'm going to pull a lot of the stuff out and I'll give you a little bit of uh, history through this. 
uh, Mary and Joseph's piety towards the being obedient to God. Every year, the Passover happened. And, and the Passover, if you don't know, it's in Exodus, and I think it's around a chapter 11. But Exodus, um, excuse me, Passover is when the, uh, the Israelites were uh, leaving Egypt. Uh, Moses uh, had come to deliver them, and Moses got to talk to God through a burning bush. He goes back to Egypt. He talks to his um, stepbrother, or the Pharaoh, and he says, hey, it's time for them to leave. They've been here long enough, and Pharaoh says no. God says, you know what? We're going to give you guys uh, enough in, uh, reason to let them go. I'm going to give you ten plagues. And he goes through all these plagues of locusts and, and flies and, and gnats and boils and fire from heaven. So there's ten of these plagues, but the last one's the big one. The last one is when the angel of the Lord is going to come down, and he's going to take the life of the firstborn in every family. And from the from Pharaoh all the way down to somebody that's uh, in a dungeon. That's going to happen. So the Passover is that God has instructed Moses to tell the Israelites that they are going to paint the post of all their, uh, their entrances into their uh, homes. Paint it with lamb's blood. So they paint the sides, they paint the top, and the Passover was that the angel of the Lord has come, would come down, and if your posts were painted with blood then the angel of the Lord would pass by and pass over and move on to the next house. So that's the, the celebration, uh, the festival was to, to remember this time. And it was a lengthy, week-long celebration where they had um, they, uh, the festival of unleavened bread and there were several things that they did. But the goal was, or the, the um, obedience was, that they went to Jerusalem for this. Now, there's three festivals, and the Passover is one of them. One of them was the, uh, the Festival of the Tabernacle, and the other one is Pentecost. And, and if you come to uh, Bible 101 this Thursday and in the next five weeks, we may end up talking about those. So that will be a question that you can always ask Pastor Kevin when we get into that. But the Passover was the one that they went to. Now, this was a requirement for all men. Men were to travel to Jerusalem, travel to, uh, to, for this feast, and it was a requirement for them. It was not a requirement for the women. Um, and I don't know why, but the men had to go for this. So Mary going with them, going with uh, Joseph and uh, Jesus to this, was another uh, sign of her pieties, her obedience to God, their family's obedience. Now, this was a major financial difficulty because they're actually leaving their work. It takes about three days from where they live to get to uh, Jerusalem, and then they were going to be there for a week, and then another three days back. So this was a lengthy vacation, or if you want to call it a vacation. I don't know if you guys have ever been on a long trip with a, a lot of kids. My wife and I went on a 14-day trip through eight states. <laughs> yeah, there you go. It was crazy. We had a couple accidents, broke down on the side of the road, a couple of hospital visits, broken elbow. I mean, it was, it was exciting. So I can imagine what, and we were driving. I can't imagine what they were doing walking the entire way. But it was a financial burden because Joseph wasn't going to be working during that time. They had to bring enough provision. So it's not like they can stop off at the ATM, I mean at the AMPM and get some food on the way out. They had to bring all their food with them. So they were probably bringing some live animals along with it. And plus they still had to bring something for the sacrifice. So they're, they're trucking a whole bunch of stuff with them. Again, it was three days uh, a walk. Now, the one thing, when we traveled, we... We try to travel with large groups. It's not easy. I mean, it's easy. I mean, trying to move an army is not, not easy, but trying to move four little kids, that's difficult. But they traveled in caravans for safety. So it wasn't just their family. It was their 
aunts and their uncles, their, their grandfathers, the, the, all the, uh, the offspring of everybody. They were all traveling together. Uh, so, and this was for protection. This was for, you know, providing food and comfort and also just, just uh, um, a companionship as they were going. So this was a large, large group. So they could have been split up. They could have been, uh, you know, the boys are over there throwing rocks at the Gentiles. You know, the girls are skipping and playing rocks. You know, the women are walking together talking about, he didn't get directions again. <clears throat> they probably had a guy out in front running point, but there was, they were moving as a, as a big group. So this effort for, for Mary and Joseph and Jesus and, and the whole family to make this three-day trip, then stay there for that length of time, it's not like they stopped at the Sheraton and stayed. They, they probably slept on the floor. Uh, they, they probably had to stay with uh, other family members. So this was a big event for them to make that trip. This was showing great obedience to God. No different than some of you that traveled a long distance to just to get to church, uh, several stoplights and, and things like that. But, but showing up to church is very, very important. And as a family, it's very important. So um, this is one way that they were showing their obedience to God. Um, now, we're going to go back and read some more. Um, verse 43. And when the feast was ended, and as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind. And his parents did not know it. Now, and I'm just going to throw this in there because I thought about it just five minutes ago. But as a Christian, and as you're living your life, and then all of a sudden you're, you're staying really focused with God. You're in your word. You're praying. And then all of a sudden you get distracted by um, something. Maybe it's Clash of the Clowns. Or maybe you are getting, maybe you're getting stuck into a, a, an obligation that you've uh, uh, added to your plate. Maybe it's a sporting event, or maybe it's fantasy football, and you get, yeah, get totally wrapped up in this. And then all of a sudden, now you're you've you've left Jesus out of something. Well, as a Christ follower, you you feel this. Now there's. so you you obviously feel like no, I don't have Jesus with me. So you need to return. Now think about this. They've known from the get-go who he was. They've known from the very beginning when the angel said, you are going to have uh, a child, and it's going to be Emmanuel, Emmanuel, God with us. So they've, for 12 years, they've had, well, longer than that, through, you know, the whole uh, the process of, of, uh, of Mary being pregnancy, her pregnancy, they've had Jesus with them the entire time. This moment when they were leaving, at what point were they going, I don't feel like Jesus is with me anymore. I mean, I know when he's not with me, he's like, why isn't Jesus, I, you know, they're looking around. Even if Joseph is running point and Mary's being distracted by the ch other children, at some point you're like, oh, man, Jesus isn't with us. I can feel it. I mean, John the baptizer, when he was in his mother's womb, he, he jumped and kicked when Jesus got close, and they didn't realize it. So they went a whole day's journey, and, which is surprising. They went a whole day's journey, uh, but then they began to search for him among the relatives and the acquaintances. So they're still in this caravan, and they did not find him. They returned to Jerusalem, so they went out a day. They came back a day, so now that's two days. Um, and searching for him after three days. Now, it doesn't mean they went a whole the third day. I mean, it was anywhere in that time on the third day. They found him in the temple. Now, this is what I'm thinking. You lost Jesus. What are you going through right now? I'm like, going, all right, Joseph's going, okay. Uh, we're going to go back, and then we're going to have to walk back, and we're going to be alone. We're not going to have the caravan. Uh, we're not going to have the comfort of our friends. We're not going to have the security. And Mary's going, God gave me Jesus, and I lost him. I mean, what, what fear is going through? I mean, you're going to stand before God, and God's going, why should I let you into my heaven? You lost Jesus. 
So she's, she's probably just in some serious stress. I mean, she's very, she's very uh, scared right now. But um, so after three days, uh, they found him sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when uh, his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, have you, I mean, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. Well, Mary's distress, and it describes it as being an, a mental anguish. Um, I've lost, well, I have four children. I almost said I have three. I have three that I've never lost. I mean, amusement parks, um, grocery stores, three I've never lost. My wife's never lost this. The fourth one, Annalise, we've lost her everywhere. Um, so so we, I remember our first one, like, how could you leave your child in the car? I've left Annalise in the car. How could you leave your child at a, at a grocery store? I've left her, at a, I mean, I've lost her in the grocery store. How could you lose her at an amusement park? I've lost her at an amusement park. How could you go on a mission trip and leave your daughter? I've done that. So, so I understand, you know, kind of how this could have happened. And I'm not joking. We were literally in, um, uh, in an, uh, an Apache reservation in Arizona, and we were all packed up. We had three vehicles that we were caravanning out. We probably had about, you know, 50 people that we were leaving with. And I jumped in the car, and I go, hey, is everybody here? Looked in my rear view mirror. Everybody's buckled. Yeah, 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 we're good. Okay, Annalise isn't in the car. Well, she's probably with her mother. Okay, so we go a little ways, and I go, I called Julie. Luckily, we have cell phones. Hey, do you have Annalise? No, don't you? No. <laughs> All right. So now the panic starts. But luckily, she was in the other vehicle. We stopped everybody, got her back in the seat. And then I'm like, why weren't you in our car? But that happened. So, so I totally understand this fear factor. I mean, there's literally, Julia said, hey, I'm going to go over here, watch Annalise. And I look and I go, sure, where is she? And, and she looked, she was right here. So I totally understand how this could have happened, but Jesus' response to his parents was even more, more uh, eye-opening to me about his commitment. He says, did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Now, this is an example to the young kids or to young people, and not just young people in, in age, but also young Christians. People are just, you know, getting their ears, ears wet um, uh, or wet behind the ears with their knowledge of Christ. Just desiring to be in the presence of God. And it says, um, I mean, as a young person, you should be seeking um, the company and the wisdom and the maturity of a Christian that's been, you know, that's, that's knowledgeable. Uh, you will glean so much more. You will grow so much more through this. Um, not just, you know, asking your friends, hey, what, what would you do in this situation? Because if you're talking to a mature Christian, they'll give you an answer, but they'll also say, it's like, what does the Bible say in regards to this? What can you pull from the Bible that will give you some direction? Because almost all answers, all answers can be come back to this point. It's like, well, would, what does the Bible uh, tell us to do? And, and in that day, it was not, I mean, it was very common for young people to be sitting at the feet of, the, feet of the rabbis and asking them questions. You know, culturally, why do we do this? Um, you know, asking them questions of, uh, you know, our customs, our history, and then always just asking, why is it this? Why do we do it this way? And they would be able to give them information. They would be able to teach them right then, and it would be so relevant to their lives of what they're doing. 
So, but as Jesus was sitting there around the teachers, around the rabbis, they were, they, those that heard him, they were, they were able to recognize that he knew something, that there was something special about him. They were amazed at his, his understanding of Scripture. They were amazed at his, his answers to the questions that were being given. And then I always think about this in uh, 1 Timothy 4.12. And, and Paul is talking to Timothy, and Timothy was very young. And Paul says to him, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Just because you're young doesn't mean that you have to be quiet in, 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 in regards to learning the Bible, in, in knowledge of Scripture, or even in service. You're at a very young age. Uh, it's a time where you can... Uh, just take in as much as you can of Scripture, that you're not distracted by so much. Uh, because as you get to be an adult and you take on the responsibilities of the adult, there are so many more distractions. So it's important as a young person to be in the Word, to ask questions, to be seeking uh, guidance and counsel from uh, mature Christians. But Jesus was in the temple. And um, at that time, there was uh, rabbinical writings. The rabbinical writings would be Today, like if you were to read something from John Piper or uh, John MacArthur or R.C. Sproul's or even uh, Francis Chan, any of these, these writers that really delve into uh, Scripture and they pull information out and they, and they give it to you in a way that you would be able to apply it to your life. Well, the rabbinical writings were at that, of that age. They have rabbis that have taken Scripture and they've pulled it out and they've have written down uh, lessons that you can apply. Uh, to your daily life. And one of the rabbinical writings of that time was that at age 12, boys should be encouraged uh, to pay close attention to their future professions by studying, modeling, and practicing. So if Jesus knew this, and at age 12, he was, he knew what his future was. He knew what his future mission was going to be. So as he is sitting or going to the temple and staying in the temple, he was, in regards, modeling, practicing, and um, just absorbing what he was going to be doing in the future. Now, last night, my son was uh, probably practicing what his future profession is going to be. Um, he took the shower head off the, the shower because he wanted to put the new one on. Well, there's seven of us in our house today, and um, now we are down to one shower. My daughter's practicing um, interior modeling or interior decorating, and she did a pull-up on the shower curtain rod and pulled it off the wall so my son takes the shower head off the shower and my and my daughter and the other shower pulls the curtain rod down so now we have two showers that nobody can use <laughs> great huh so seven of us are all trying to get ready my son tried to put the new shower head on but he didn't put the uh the uh, the pipe thread or the pipe tape on you know the stuff that keeps it from leaking so when he puts the shower head on it looks great turns the water on spraying everything. So today he's going to get to practice that. We're going to go home and we're going to learn how to put pipe tape on. So at 12 years old, he's 12, he's going to start learning new things. And this is what boys at this time start to, and, and children in general, start to experience and want to know more about it. So the rabbinical writing was saying that this is something you should do. So Jesus, knowing his future calling, um, would be, in, you know, would so logically be in the temple talking, teaching, and worshiping because this is the path that he was going to go. Um, now, what we see in this is Jesus is approaching, is his, Jesus' approach to knowing God, seeking and understanding. This paints a picture um, of how we should pursue God even at a young age. Um, 
all of us, at every stage, we should be pursuing God. We should be pursuing um, Him through study, through worship, through communal uh, uh, time together to where we can have corporate worship, but then also uh, stepping out and serving others. Uh, one of the things that, uh, going back to the reading where it says, Jesus did not, uh, it says, did you not know that I must be, the glare is crazy, did you not know that I must be in my Father's house? Now, this was a direct response, but it, not rude or disrespectful. It was just a direct response to where he felt like he should be. Almost like he was saying, do you, do you not know, remember who I am? The angels came and talked to you. I am, I am the Messiah. You guys know that. I know that. And where, would, where did you look? I mean, really, where did they look? Did they go to the parks? I mean, did they go down to the river? I mean, knowing who Jesus is and was, why wouldn't they just go there? I mean, this is where he would probably have felt the, the most alive. This is the temple of God. And I, and I was thinking about this. I was thinking about when you're good at something, I mean really good at something, um, and I was thinking about uh, uh, a basketball player or a football player, but think about Tom Brady. Tom Brady walking down the street is Tom Brady. He's just another human being. Now, now if we didn't know who he was or all of his... His accomplishments, we would just see him, he's just a norm, normal person. Tom Brady walking down the street feels normal. But when he walks into Gillette Stadium, he's not just one of the top ten, top five. He's probably the, the best in the world at what he does. He probably stands out there and feels more comfortable than anywhere else in the world. Probably more comfortable than anybody in the world at just in Gillette Stadium on the grass this is his sanctuary. He could literally say, this is my house. This is where I rule. This is where I am the best. Well, Jesus walking into the temple, he's walking there going, this is my house. Literally, this is my house. This temple, I helped design this. This, this how you worship, I was a part of this. This is where I am as close as I can be in the best that I can be right here in this temple. So anybody that's standing there listening to him is going, oh, that kid's good. Just like when we walk out and we see Tom Brady throw a pass for him, that guy's good. Could you imagine seeing Jesus in earthly, I mean, just God in, in Jesus in earthly form, just standing in the temple, being the best that he could possibly be? That would be pretty exciting. But when he says, my father, this is inferring in an intimate personal relationship. This is another pronouncement, just like Simeon and Anna, of who Jesus was. He's saying, this is, I I and my father are one. This is my father's house. I am the son. He is announcing who he is. So this is one of those uh, pronouncements accounts in the gospel. And what's great about this, <clears throat> and as Christ's followers and adopted children of God, we too have a heavenly father. We not only have one biological family, but we also have a spiritual family. So we have our two families. Um, Jesus had his biological parents and Mary and Joseph, but he, then he also had his heavenly father. Now, what, 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 at times, though, these two families are going to desire, uh, have desires for us, and the missions and the expectations are going to be different. They're not always going to uh, be the same. Um, Mary and Joseph, their desire and their expectations was that Jesus was going to be right alongside them, leaving in the caravan. But God had other desires for Jesus. He had other expectations. He had another mission at that moment, and Jesus went there. Now, we see, though, <clears throat> and those two things are going to conflict. 
those two families. But we can see from this passage that Jesus is going to be obedient to both. He's going to be obedient to God first, and then he's going to be obedient to his family and his parents. Jesus knew what his mission was and that he was, going, and he was following it. But he also had his parents' uh, rules that he had to fall under, and he is able to do both of those. Now, uh, at some point you know, in your spiritual life, you're going to do, be asked by God to do different things. Now, he's not going to show up in an audible voice, but you're going to be led to feel like you're going to need to do something. Well, it could be to move. It could be to go into ministry. It could be to do a mission field. And it may, it may fly in the expectations of your parents or of your family. And at that point, the decision needs to be made. Follow God, follow the family. Now, at times you can do both, but remember that you are a child of God and God just like Jesus, Jesus answered God's call first. Um, now into the next passage, we'll go back and read. So moving on. Um, and they did not understand, Mary and Joseph, did not understand the saying that he spoke to them. And he went down with them and he came to Nazareth and he was submissive to them. Now this wasn't that he was just submissive one time or he wasn't obedient just one time. This was that for the time that he was uh, in, in their house, he was submissive to them, that he was obedient, that he, it wasn't just a one time, he followed their uh, instruction, which is great, and a great example for all the kids out there to be obedient to the parents. Um, and Mary, and it says that uh, Mary, uh, or his, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart, and Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now, that last little bit, it says, and Jesus increased in wisdom and stature. Now, this does not mean that, um, I mean, he did increase in wisdom and stature, but that's referring to his physical or his human uh, growth. And he was, or his physical and mental growth, he was divine in nature from the get-go. Um, although he, he did grow just like we do, his wisdom and his understanding of uh, spiritual things were already with him. And God poured out, uh, God's favor poured out on Jesus, and he increased in favor with those that he came in contact with. So as he grew and as he matured, um, and, and, and he was able to, to be him, God poured out his favor on him that when people came in contact with him, just like throughout his whole ministry, people were amazed at him, and they found favor, and he found favor with them. Not just with, um, with, uh, with the Jews, but also with the Gentiles, with the righteous and the unrighteous. Okay, this is going good. Hope you guys are having fun. I'm not. Okay, so the last thing. Um, now, that was for an example of a married couple and also for the young. The last thing is an example for true Christians. And this is, this is, this is important. Okay, so make sure you're paying attention. This is the most important stuff, so pay close attention. Um, this verse gives us, uh, these verses give us a picture of how we should prioritize our lives to God how we are ranking uh, our obligations. Jesus' desire for, uh, for time in God's house, worship corporately, and quiet time in prayer, open up an open dialogue with fellow believers, and service to others should be our desire as well. See, God, uh, Jesus desired to be in the temple. We should be uh, desire to be in corporate worship as we are today. Jesus' desire was to be in uh, uh, prayer, and we should have that desire as well, a prayer with God. We should desire to worship. We should desire to do service. These are the things that, uh, that Jesus was doing, and we should also desire. 
And, and I'll bring this all back in. So as Jesus' life was an example, as we follow along, we can also um, pursue God's uh, face. The uniqueness of Jesus, his personal relationship with the Father, his sonship, his unique giftedness are all beyond what we can do. I mean, you, if you think about, all right, well, Jesus desire to be at the temple. Well, that's Jesus. Uh, Jesus' desire to worship. Well, you know, that was Jesus. Jesus' desire to spend time in prayer. Okay, that was Jesus. Now, I'm not trying to say we're going to have to compare ourselves to to him. That would be crazy. I mean, literally crazy. There's no way that we can literally do everything because his unique giftedness, his unique abilities, being God in the flesh, gives him just a little bit more. But but that does not mean that uh, the way he lived would be impossible, but it is very possible. Now, I was thinking about this. I mean, how Jesus lived and his faithful pursuit, how he faithfully pursued God should be also how we should seek God. Uh, take that example. Um, if, if you wanted to be a swimmer and you were blessed enough to get Michael Phelps' coach and he, you were say, hey, I want to be the best swimmer I could be, well, he's Michael Phelps' coach. All right, well, this is what I did with Michael, and this is how I'm going to do it with you. And you follow along all those steps. I mean, you practice, and you eat that ridiculous amount of food that he ate, and you work out, and you work out. I'm going to be as about the best swimmer that I can be. Now, am I going to win eight gold medals in one Olympics? I doubt that. I doubt that I'd make the Olympics even if I did work that hard. But I can be the absolute best that I can be. If Michael Jordan were to take you through all of his workouts, all of his practices, how he did it, how he made it to the, uh, the NBA, how he won so many MVPs, and how he won six NBA championships, you could be very good at basketball. But you're not going to be Michael Jordan. So to compare yourself to him would be kind of crazy. But can you work out that way, the way that he did? Can you train yourself the way that they did? Yeah, that's, that's fine. I mean, comparing myself to Shaquille O'Neal, I'm a much better free throw shooter than he is. <laughs> but I will never be able to dunk the ball like he can. I mean, there, there's just a big uh, differences. But can we work? Can we study? Can we worship? Can we put in the same efforts? Yeah, that's totally possible, and that is... That would be our service to God. That would be our worship to God to do that. Um, so thinking about how Jesus did his, uh, lived his life. And then uh, jumping forward to John, um, John 14. And Jesus is talking to some of his disciples. He's talking to, to, in particular, Philip. And Philip was the guy that, if he dies, he, he was always asking a lot of questions. But Jesus says, I'm going to be going to my father's house. And again, another pronouncement of who he is as, as uh, the son of God. But he says, I'm going to my father's house. And there's many mansions there. And, and you know how to get there. And Philip goes, I don't know how to get there. I don't know what you're talking about. Philip is saying, this is, this is confusing to me. And Jesus saying, is saying, you know the way. I've shown you the way on how to do this. And then it gets to verse 6. Uh, John 14, 6, and one of my favorite verses. And it says, Jesus said to him, to Philip, he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life, and nobody comes to the Father except through me. Jesus had shown them the way. In fact, early Christians, they weren't called Christians, and that, that phrase wasn't coined until much later, but they were the followers of the way. What way? Jesus' way. Jesus' way to the Father. So Jesus had shown how to get there, and he's shown us how to get there. I mean, to, to, to be in the temple, to be worshiping God, to be praying, to be... Um, to be serving. He's shown us how to do it. His life was an example of how to 
get to the Father through him. Jesus says, I am through, it is through me. So when we consider these verses, and this is where it gets kind of crazy. Crazy. My daughter says it crazy. So as we consider these verses, Jesus' declaration of my Father's house. From, this verse, uh, from these verses today, we have to evaluate Jesus' authority. So he says that I am the way, and this is my Father's house. I am the way to my Father's house. There's two things he's saying that, uh, that we need to take into consideration. If, he's, if he, he's saying that he's the Son of God, well, then that, that, that's gonna ha we'll have to call into question that. And then we're, he's also saying that I am the way in which you are to come to my Father. So, what do you do with this claim? The claim of uh, I am the way and the claim of I am the Father. How do you respond to these claims of his authority? Now, if Tony Horton or Julian Michaels were to come in and say, all right, I'm going to take each one of you individually and I'm going to give you a workout, a workout plan with a meal, um, uh, the scheduling, and I'm actually going to come in and I'm going to coach you up and you're going to be in the absolute best shape. And you'd go, yeah, why? Well, they have authority. If you haven't seen uh, Tony Horton's videos, the P90X, they'll kill you. I did one two days ago and I'm still suffering. But Jillian Michaels is on The Biggest Loser. You know what they do works. You've seen the, the, the uh, product from it. You're like, oh, wow. You're looking at their bodies going, if I do what they say, I may look that good. They have some authority. So when you read through this and you look at Jesus' life, you're going to have to say, all right, does he have the authority to say that this is the way to God? You have to examine that. So uh, let's go through this. Uh, the world tells us that Jesus is, a, uh, is one of many great religious leaders. Yeah, if you uh, believe in uh, Buddhism, they call Jesus, they call him Buddha Jesus. Um, if you look at just the life, you're like, wow, yeah, he was a really great guy. True. If you, do the, the, if you follow the ten, ten Commandments and just, just focus on the ones that are, you know, do not uh, steal, do not covet, do not murder, do not do, not, uh, do it, you know, all the do nots. If you do not, if you do not do, do if you follow those, you're going to be okay. I mean, you'll live a good life. You, you'll be able to, to say, hey, I'm a good person. But Jesus is going a little bit farther. That. Jesus and Luke give us two options. He says, I'm the son. Luke puts that in and says, I am the son. My father, he's saying something very direct that, that you, you have to take into consideration. Is he the son? If he is the son, well, then you gotta, you got to answer, uh, you have to say, well, if he's the son, then he has to have some authority, true? Okay, so moving on. Now, if you don't want to just go with Luke or Jesus from uh, Luke's account, you can go from uh, C.S. Lewis. And how many of you guys know who C.S. Lewis is? Raise your hands. Narnia, all those. Well, C.S. Lewis was a great Christian writer, and he had a, a great insight. He doesn't just give you two options. He actually gives you three options. Three options, what Jesus or who Jesus uh, is. Taking into consideration his authority and his sonship or his, his uh, being the son of God. C.S. Lewis says, well, uh, one, if his, what he taught was great, but if he says that he was the son of God and he isn't, well, then he's just, he's, he's crazy. Well, if he's crazy, don't even bother reading anything else. If you feel like Jesus is crazy, then don't even bother reading what he says. Don't follow his way. Pick another one. If he's lying about it, well, then again, all the stuff that he taught, how to serve, how to love, and, and don't judge the, the, uh, the, the, the problems of organized religion. If you just read the Bible and say, looking at what Jesus said to do to live, 
how to serve, how to love, how to, how to, how to come into the Father. You, if you just look at that, well, is he a lunatic or is he a liar? If he is a, if he's a lunatic or a liar, just disregard everything and just move on and go find something else to do. But if he's telling the truth, if he's not crazy, then he is who he says he is. Just like Tony Horton and Julian Michaels, this is how you'll get in shape. Then you need to take that into consideration. And you need to answer the question, what am I going to believe? And All right, so moving on. So if he is the son and he has the authority, then how shall uh, you respond? Will you follow in obedience? Question. Will you seek God's face through worship, prayer, discussion, and service? Um, these questions left unanswered, if you don't answer these things, it's, it's, sort of, it's not like the SAT where you leave a, uh, an answer blank. It doesn't count against you. This is a regular Scantron. You leave it blank, you get marked wrong. It's wrong. So if you say no to these things, or if you have nothing, to, if you don't put an answer down, you say, I'm just going to leave this up, and I don't really want to get into this, your answer is no. It's a yes or no answer. You can't be in the middle. There is no middle ground. There is no lukewarmness. I mean, you have to make a decision. You either believe it, or you're going to have to say no to it. And if you say no to it, then you're also saying no to, to Jesus. Now, and I've gone kind of quickly, so I'm, I don't know if you've gotten everything. What I really wanted to do is I wanted to make sure that you understand that to serving God, uh, to glorifying God, to worshiping God, Jesus gave us examples on how to do this. Um, and then ones that we can follow along. But when we get down to this, and it's all coming to the close, and I, you, you have to come back to this. Have you accepted Jesus as authority as the Son of God and Savior? I mean... Jesus' unique calling and relationship to God reveals that he is not just a religious figure. He's not. I mean, why would you want to follow a crazy man or a lunatic or a liar? Why would you? Um, he's not just a prophet, but he is one who has showed us the way that provides the way and is the way to God and into God's way. This is, this is desired. I mean, this is what his whole mission was, just to provide us this avenue. I mean, prior to Jesus dying on the cross, paying for the penalties of our sins, there was that separation. It was a difficult process, an impossible process. But with Christ, then that door is open. That veil has been removed, and we're, we have access to God. Um, so have you accepted this? Now, if you haven't, this is a great opportunity to. I mean, this is a perfect place to do it. Uh, you, can, you can do it at, in your car. You can do it at home. But, but this is a great opportunity to make that declaration, uh, to, to come forward and to, to proclaim that, yes, you believe. Um, <clears throat> the next one, if you've already done that, are you walking in the steps of Christ, following his way? He's given you a pretty good example. If you're here, you've already accomplished one thing. You're in corporate worship. You're in his house. I know it's not Jerusalem. It's not the temple. It's the best we can do in East Boston. But this is a great, op this is a great place where we come to, uh, together. We learn about his word. We can ask questions. Um, if you show up on uh, Thursday night for Bible 101, it's another opportunity to where you can learn. Th was it Wednesday night? I thought it was Thursday. All right, Wednesday night, Bible 101. You can ask those questions. You can be working in, in that way. Um, and... Are you about the Father's business? That's the one thing that Jesus was. He was always about the Father's business. Being in the house that day, or being in the temple that day, he was in God's house. He was uh, doing the Father's business. Now, 
this is the one thing that I, I was thinking about. Um, well, a lot of things I thought about. But uh, Jesus started in the temple. Right then, right when he was sitting there, he was teaching in the temple. That's where, you know, the first account of him teaching, you know, uh, talking to, uh, to uh, the rabbis and the, everybody around him. They were learning from him right then. That's where he started. But he didn't stay there. So, like, you're starting right here. So, but you can't stay here. Jesus didn't stay inside the temple. Uh, but he took, and I was like this, he took his show on the road. I mean, he went, he traveled. I mean, he did his, it, the full circuit of getting around. He did, not, uh, he did not confine his ministry, his mission, his service, service, his purpose to the confines of the box that religion sometimes is relegated to. Too often that we think, okay, this is the church box. This is the religion box. And, and when we leave these doors, it stops there. No, this is where it starts. And then we take it out. Then we take it out on the road. Then we go out and we serve and we love. And we don't just serve and love in just, in, in just that name, but we serve and love in Jesus' name for the glory of God. Um, the next thing. Now, if you are serving and if you are walking and you are worshiping, and stay strong in your ministry, knowing that you are in God's will. So those three things. If you, if you haven't accepted the sonship, it's a great opportunity to do it today. If you have, and are you, are you walking in, in Christ's way? Are you walking in the example that he gave us? If you are doing that, then stay strong in your ministry, glorifying God. I, I envy some of you when you tell me the stories. I, Nancy tells me about her ministry that she... Uh, uh, talks to the bus driver and to the children at the school, and then I'm just going, man, I, I, I love that. I love hearing about that stuff. I, I'm envious of the opportunities that you have of sharing a track or um, bringing someone to the Lord. Any of those moments where you have that, I love hearing about those things. And, and I'm not jealous, but I, I love hearing about it. Um, so, What was true about Christ's earthly ministry and his, uh, is also true today. Um, right now, I mean, he's seated at the right hand of the Father. He's, he's watching over us. He's, he's guiding us. He's protecting us. Um, he's interceding for us. And, um, and, and he's still about the Father's business. He's still doing what is his mission. He's still doing what his calling is. Like now the next question is, is are you? Are you where you should be? Are you, are you worshiping? Are you serving? Uh, drawing that all back into, into, into Christ, bringing all the glory back into Him. Uh, all right. Um, we're going to take communion in a little bit. Um, I, know the, the, I hope the band's ready to come up. You guys, yeah, this is it. All right. We take communion every week. Um, and if you, if you answered the first question as in, no, I, I know I haven't accepted Christ, I haven't accepted his sonship and his authority, then this would be a time for you to, to sit and to, to, to ponder this and maybe even to, to say a prayer of acceptance. If, if you have, or if you have more questions, Pastor Kevin or myself, or if you'd uh, like to speak to uh, a female, you can talk to Julie or Christy. Um, ask them questions, um, please. Uh, we're very, very open to answer any of the questions that you may have. If, um, if you have, though, if you've accepted that, uh, please uh, take part in communion. Uh, be a part of this. this is a, our opportunity. It's, it's not going to save you. It's not going to fix you. It's not going to wash away any of your sins. It's a time for you to come forward and, and think. 
Thank God for his gift of his son. Thank you for, um, for your salvation and the forgiveness of sins. But uh, I'm going to go ahead and open up in prayer. Uh, we just thank you, Lord. Uh, we thank you for, for your word and the opportunity to, to come together and to worship you. We thank you for the guidance and the, the examples of the way uh, to live our lives that uh, will glorify Christ. We, uh, we ask, Lord, that as we uh, close, that we will just have the opportunity to, to come before you, lay our hearts open to you, and worship to you. Amen.